0: The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith in the Sunday morning service at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Let me read it to you from the very first verse. This is Romans chapter 8. Let me read again what we had covered already. Therefore... There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. When we went through this passage, we explained that this idea of the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a, is a power that is at work. It's a force. It's like, it's like the, the law of, of uh, gravity. It's a law that is at work. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And because of this, this, we have become justified, as he says in verse 1. Our condemnation has been removed, which means we stand righteous before God. Then in verse 3, he says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was, because the law would tell you what you ought to do, but it it was weak through the flesh. It was weak through this force within us, this law within us, the law of sin and death. But he said, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the requirement or the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit for the mindset it's actually a one it's a it's a, just one word the word mindset it means a way of looking at things a way of viewing life. So for the mindset of the flesh is death. And he's talking about spiritual death. We're dead to God before we received life from him in regeneration. And so he says this mindset of the flesh is dead, uh, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Those are the products of it. And those who are in the flesh, that is, that are unregenerate, cannot please God. That's pretty simple. Before we were born again, we could not please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit dwells within you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That has a lot of implications to it. It means that every single person who belongs to Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Old Testament uh, prophets understood that, that in the last days, God was going to pour out his Spirit upon all flesh that everyone who came to have a relationship with God would have the same spirit living in them that had enabled the prophets to give their prophecy and to speak forth the righteousness of God to the people of God. And then he goes on, he says, "And and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead, and all he means by that is, I still have sin dwelling in me, and my body doesn't always want to obey the law of God. It doesn't always want to obey the righteous commandments of the living God. For example, you are commanded to live every believer just the way Christ did. That means you'd be willing to die for them. That doesn't mean, you know, when I get around them, I feel like dying. <laughs> that's, that's the way we think of it. That's not it. It's that I love them so much, I'd be willing to lay down my life for them. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. You get that? He says he raised Jesus from the dead. His body was dead. It was in a tomb. There was no life in it. And yet the spirit of God raised him up. And he said in the same way, the spirit will raise up your body to live the Christian life. He's not talking about physical resurrection here, but spiritual resurrection so that you can be made alive to serve the living God. And that is what the mind of the Spirit is. The mindset of the Spirit is us living in the power of the Spirit and experiencing the way the Spirit would have us look at all of life and everything that God calls us to. If you look at that little handout, it looks something like this, um, you can see that in this text, he talks about, Two powers, that is the flesh and the spirit. Two realms of existence, that is in the flesh, which is referring to an unbeliever. Before I am born again, I am, I am in the flesh. And then in the spirit, that is the believer who has been born again. Two mindsets. Now, a mindset is something we don't talk about a lot. It's kind of like a worldview or an outlook, the way we look at life. And he says there are two mindsets. There's one that is manifested in the person who's not yet been made alive in the spirit. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. They have the mindset of the flesh. And then he says in the, in the spirit, there is a mindset. Set, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. They have the mindset of the spirit. Have you ever noticed that? There are times when you have the mindset of the spirit, and there's other times when you live as though you're, you're dead to God. You have the mindset of the flesh. That happens to us. And what we are called to do here, what I want to emphasize is we need to be aware of the mindset that we have. How am I looking at life? A lot of times what's happening to us is we're experiencing exactly what the Apostle Paul explains and describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So I want us to look there for just a minute. That's good for you to look for another passage on. Huh? It's right after Romans 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If we were reading this in the King James, instead of saying fleshly, it would say carnal. Because the word carnal, it just means fleshly. And so they use, in, in the King James Bible, it calls it carnality, but in, in the, New, the New American Standard, it calls it being fleshly. It's having the mind of the flesh. And let me just read this to you. You probably have heard this many times. Paul writes, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual men, those who have the mindset of the spirit, because you wouldn't understand it. But I had to speak to you as men of the flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. What he means is, you didn't have the capacity to take in solid food, and so I had to give you milk to drink. Ever notice how you, with your babies, when they're first born, you feed them milk? Because it's like pre-digested food, in a sense. For you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able. Paul's pretty bold, isn't he? Talking to these Corinthian believers. You're still in this state. You're in a state of having the mindset of the flesh, of living according to the flesh. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife... Now, this is scary. Look at this, what, what the characteristics of the mindset of the flesh is. You, there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshly? That's fleshliness. That's carnality. When we have jealousy and strife among us. Are you not walking like mere men, like unregenerate men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not men? Are you just, aren't you just merely men? And these are just merely men that they're referring to. Now, Paul was a preacher of the gospel, and a part of his party was made up of Apollos and others, but what he is saying is, we don't have heroes. We're not talking about somebody who is a super saint. We're talking about those who either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. And what he wants us to do is to be aware of what's going on in our head. What's going on in the way we're looking at life. Are we walking according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Do we have the mindset of the flesh or do we have the mindset of the spirit? What's important about this is we can go on and on and on, not thinking anything about it because we measure our Christian life by different things than God does. We measure our lives by how we look in the eyes of other people by certain standards and which means we are, we are spiritually mature, but he says the thing that really tells the story is what kind of mindset are you operating in? Are you operating in the mindset of the spirit? Are you operating in the mindset of the flesh? And so he's warning them about this, and this is one of the things that we have to do, is we have to be aware when we are in the mindset of the flesh, when we are operating in that mindset. You value people differently. You look at people differently. Somebody was sharing me this, with me this morning about sharing the gospel with someone. Well, what would cause you to do that? The mindset of the Spirit. Operating in the mindset of the Spirit when you, you meet someone and you look at them and you listen to them and you know that they need Christ. And guess who has Christ? You do. And so when you have the mindset of the, of the Spirit, you want to give others the opportunity to receive Christ. And we pray for each other. We literally pray for each other. Because if we have the mind of the Spirit, you can ask yourself some simple questions. What have I done this past week? Have I spent any time at all before God asking him to work in a brother or sister's life? Have I been asking God to do anything supernatural or spiritual in the life of my brothers and sisters in Christ? And that lets me know, am I, do I have the mindset of the flesh? Am I just living like my neighbor over here who doesn't know Christ? And I'm looking out for myself. I'm looking out for the things that are going to meet my needs. Because we all have needs. And so maybe all my time has spent on how am I going to meet this need in my life? But if you're Christ-centered, you're not thinking about how you're going to meet your needs. You're going to think, be thinking about what, what Christ has done for you how he has blessed you and how he continues to bless you. So you have here two, these two powers, or two laws, if we prefer, the, the law of the flesh and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And, he's, and he tells us, he introduces us by telling us, this is why we have justification. Now, justification, I know, is a big word we don't use every day, but it's a simple word. It just means that God has received you as being absolutely right with him. You are right with God when you're justified. God has declared you to be righteous. And as we've said over and over again, you can't receive anything from God except by faith, by simply believing that he, when he says he wants to give you life, that he actually wants to give you life by simply receiving it by faith. So there's two powers. There are two realms in the flesh or in the spirit. That's talking about the unregenerate life before I had Christ and the regenerate life once I've been born again. And now I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And then we have two mindsets, that is ways of looking at things. Have you noticed how this happens in your life? You're going along and all of a sudden you're viewing reality from a completely different perspective? You know, that's how we can get to hankering after things. That's what the internet's for, you know. That's why you you go on amazon.com to find out what you want, what you would like to attain that might fill your life with some happiness, right? I wasn't doing that this morning. I was looking on a website at these new iPads. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a new iPad with a keyboard and, and all that? Sure. But that's the mindset of the flesh. It's the mindset that keeps us from knowing and believing and living out the truth of who we really are in Christ Jesus. Just the people sitting in this room. Think of it. There, In this world, there are two point Two billion people who claim to be Christians. 2.2 billion. Is there enough Jesus around to save that many people? Yes. <laughs> yes. He is all powerful. He can save. And he all, ha- all that has to happen is a person has to... They must hear the truth of who Christ is. It isn't just believing three facts about him. I read the other day a guy said if you believe that these three facts, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose from the dead, you're a Christian. No, you're not. You have to believe on Christ, which means you have to put your faith in him, your trust in him. Now, it's true. Somebody says, hey, I want to give you a ride downtown. Why don't you jump in the back seat? You look at the car, and it has all bald tires on it. It looks like it's a wreck. It's about to I'm not talking about anybody's car in here. But, uh, but you look at it, and you think, well, I don't know if it would be safe to ride in that car. But if you had faith in that car, you jump in, you put your full weight upon it. When you come to believe in Jesus Christ, you believe the facts about him, but they tell you who he is and what he has done and what he says he will do when you come to him in faith. And so this is what we have to communicate to those who haven't heard or those who haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But if all we do is say, Jesus died for your sins, he was buried and rose again. If you believe those three facts, you're going to heaven. You have you have completely confused them. that is not the truth. What we have to do is believe on a person who is able to do what he has promised to do. Now we can say he's, he, he died on a cross he came into the world, he died on a cross and he was buried and he rose again, and he promised that if we would come to him, he could save us, he could forgive us our sins, he could bring us into a relationship with the living God, and for all eternity we would be with him because that's truth, isn't it? But what we want them to do is to come to, tr- to trust him, to put our faith in him. It's, in fact, one of the ways that that's expressed uh, is that we come to abide in him, which means we put all of our weight upon him. We rely completely upon him. What makes you think you're right with God? The only thing that makes me think I'm right with God it certainly is certainly isn't my performance. It is simply because Christ has made the promise. If I believe him, if I trust him, If I put my faith in Him, He will see to it that I am made right with God. I become a child of God, and God becomes my Father. Don't you find it amazing that when Jesus gave us the, on the Sermon on the Mount, He told us how to pray. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. They say it every week at, uh, at the, um, the C Y O. Is that what it's called? C Y O. Catholic Youth Organization. They play basketball. I noticed going to one of my grandson's games, every game they had, they would say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's true. And that's a wonderful prayer. But have you noticed something? The biggest thing about that? God wants you to call him Father. He wants you to call him Father. You know why? Because that's who he is. We're the only people in all of history, that have been told we should call him Father as a personal name, because we have put our faith in Christ Jesus. He's my Father, and I can address him as Father. And he receives me as a father receives a son. That's what he has called us to do. So we believe on Christ, we put our faith in Christ, we rest in Christ because of what he has done and what he has promised us. In other words, yes, he does tell us that he came into the world, he died for our sins, he was buried and rose again. Why? So that he could bring us into a right relationship with the living God. So that I could be changed. So that I could come to have the mindset of the Spirit. It is possible for you and me as believers in Christ to be able to live our lives out of the mindset of the Spirit. It wasn't possible for you before you came to faith in Christ. The only way that you could live is living out of the mindset of the flesh. I'm looking, what am I looking for? I'm looking to to experience all the good stuff of life, and so I have all kinds of desires. That's the mindset of the flesh. There are certain things I want. You have a list? There's certain things I want. If I can just get some extra resources, then I can get a hold of this, and that will make me happy. That's the mindset of the flesh. It's a lie. It's not the truth. The only one who can fill your heart with joy is the one that you can only receive by faith. You You can't earn his relationship with you. All you can do is receive it by faith, but you have to trust him. You have to put all of your trust and confidence in him. So we have these two powers or laws, two realms in the flesh and the spirit, two mindsets. I have the mindset of the spirit or the mindset of the flesh. That is, I'm living with it today. This doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It means that as Christians, it's possible for us to start living with the mindset of the flesh. And we don't seem any different than anybody else. And there's no way that I could share the gospel if I'm living out of the mindset of the flesh. Because that's not going to produce for me what I'm desiring when I have the mindset of the flesh. Does that make sense? That's exactly what happens to us. So what we should do is be, be aware. Where am I at? What's going on in my head? Do I have the mindset of the flesh or the mindset of the spirit? Do I care more about Christ and who he is and what he has done in my life and what he will do in my neighbor's life than I care about what I want? I remember I used to want a Corvette so bad, and then I drove one. And uh, it, was, it was just the way that it was equipped. It, it was a rough ride. It wasn't smooth, and, it, and you didn't get to feel the power that much because the roads weren't long enough. <laughs> but I thought I wanted that so bad for years until I finally experienced it. And then I realized that's not what I want. I don't want that, I want this $180,000 car over here. See, that's the mindset of the flesh. And so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to find out, when to realize what, the, what mindset we are actually exercising. And if I am exercising the mindset of the flesh, I need to make some changes, don't I? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, if we continue in this path of living in carnality, Grieving the Holy Spirit, it's going to bring into our lives some real difficulties, some real difficulties. Um, Ephesians 4.30, all of you know that, right? Ephesians 4.30, everybody know that verse? Stop grieving the Holy Spirit. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit. But in the context, the grieving is talking about me using my words to tear you down instead of build you up. That's what grieving the Spirit is. It's me using words to tear you down, break you down instead of build you up. And you say, well, why are you tearing us down then? Uh, To build you up, (laughs) that's why. I want you to come to appreciate the fact that God has given you the mindset of the Spirit. And he wants you to live in that mindset. He wants you to experience the blessings of being his child and having the greatest gospel, the only gospel there is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's yours, and you can share it with others. So Paul says we should stop grieving the Spirit. That's, that's a hint to us that we don't have the mindset of the Spirit, or we have the mindset of the flesh, if we are grieving the Spirit. Or what about this? First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 19. Now listen to this. He's writing to Christians like us, and he says to them, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. I would translate that as don't despise the word of God that comes to you.
1: But examine everything
0: carefully. Is this really the word of God? And then hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. In other words, don't, quenching the Spirit means rendering his powerful work in our lives inoperative. The Spirit is at work in our lives. He's, he's at work in every believer's life. In fact, back there in the in, in the passage we started in, in, in Romans chapter eight, it says that every single Christian has the Holy Spirit or they don't belong to Christ. I mean, that was shocking to me when I first found it because I had been told the only way you could get the Holy Spirit is if you had a second blessing after salvation. But that verse says, If you belong to Christ, you have have the Holy Spirit living in you. And if you don't have his spirit, you don't belong to him. Because the Holy Spirit has come to do the very thing that Paul is talking about here. Giving us the mindset of the spirit. So that we can become agents of Jesus Christ in this fallen world. We're living in a very dark world, aren't we? And you're light. Walk as children of light. People need to see the light of the glory of Christ in your daily life. And so this is what he wants. He wants you to have the mindset of the spirit. Don't be despising the word of God. Do you hear it? Does it speak to your life? Or John 16, 18 says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he explains what those three things mean. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts of sin. He tells us what it is. Sin means, it doesn't just mean wrongdoing. It means being disobedient to God, your creator. It means being rebellious against him. And he says the spirit will come and he will convict people of their sin. So when you share the gospel with someone and the spirit convicts them, they will see that they need this Christ who died for them. They need to embrace him by faith. So he says he will come and convict you of sin and righteousness because this is interesting because Jesus said that when there were a lot of people who stayed away from him because he was righteous and it convicted them and so they didn't want to hang out with him. Because every time they got around him, they felt the guilt of their sin. And so he says the guilt that they were not righteous as as they are called to be. And so he says... That when people got around Jesus, they were convicted about his righteousness that they didn't have. And so what does he say? He says, well, the Spirit's coming to do that. The Spirit is coming to convict men of righteousness, even though they don't see Christ. He shows them Christ. You all know that Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, I think it is, where it says, The God who said, let light shine in the darkness has caused the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ to shine in our hearts. How does he do that? He does it through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is continually testifying to the reality of who Christ is. And he wants to to do that through us. And the only way he can do that is if we have the mindset of the Spirit. All I'm talking about is, I'm not trying to beat you up, I'm just trying to say, we we ought to be aware of this. What's going on? Do I actually think I have the mindset of the Spirit when I'm actually manifesting the mindset of the flesh? And there's ways that God can d- deliver you from the mindset of the flesh, that habit of having the mindset of the flesh. He can deliver you from that and he can change your heart. So I don't have to live in this state. I don't have to, I don't mean California. We don't have to live in this state of having that mindset of the flesh. I can come to experience the mindset of the spirit. I can see, I can look at things the way the spirit does. What does the spirit value? The person sitting next to you, all these people around you, he actually values them. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to actually care about people. Uh, we were talking, some of us were talking, some people were talking about uh, this ability that God, the spirit gives us to, to communicate to people that you love them and they are loved and they, are, and they have worth to them and you really care about them. And you share the gospel with them because you want them to know this glorious truth. And to have that ability, we were talking about a particular person we knew, who is just, it's amazing how he can so quickly, in, in conversations with people, bring them to the place where he lets them know by the way he treats them and speaks to them that they are worth something to him because they are worth something to God. I have a friend who wrote a book called Worth a Son, and he got a lot of flack about it because some guys thought he was, they just thought that was a a twisted doctrine. Nobody here is worth a son. Well, that's what God said. Who did he send to die for you? He said, you're worth it. And you know, the amazing thing is in the Bible when you go through and look at the, the motivation that Jesus had for dying for you. I'm talking about you. When he died for you, you know what his motivation was? Most of the times, except there's one time it, it says something different, I'll tell you what it is, but every, time, every other time in the New Testament it says that Je- this is why Jesus died for you. It was because of his love for the Father. It was his love for the Father. Because the Father wanted you to come to have a relationship with him through Christ, and he sent his son into the world to do this. And because the son loved the Father perfectly, he died for our sins. Now, one time in the book of Revelation, the first chapter, it says he died for you because he loves you. And it's a present tense. He loves you. That's why he died for you. He cares about you. See, that's the gospel message. It's that somebody loves you like you have never understood, you've never felt, you've never experienced. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to receive him so that you can experience that very relationship. That you can come to know Him and the Father through faith in Christ. And so He wants us to beware. Where is our, in other words, where's your head? Where is your mind? What are you thinking? Are you thinking about getting all your stuff? Do I you, you have a plan now where you can get all this stuff? I even have a place where I can store it? Is that what it is? No, that's not life, is it? That's a kind of death. But what God wants you to do is he wants you to prize what he has given to you by faith. Simply by you putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave you the very spirit who produces the mindset of the spirit in you. Are you a person that somebody would say, you know, that person there, they really love people. They really love them because they're always telling them how what Jesus Christ did for them and how they can come to have a relationship with the living God. Are you that kind of a person? Well, that's what the spirit makes you. That's what he will make you. And that's why I should be aware. Do I have the mindset of the spirit? The other day I became aware of the fact I was, I don't want to confess my sins to you, but I just realized I had the mindset of the flesh. It wasn't wasn't anything horrible. It was just a tiny little sin. (laughs) But, But it was like, it was the mindset of the flesh. And we need to be aware of that. Am I really willing to lay down my life? Am I willing to love others more than I love myself? This is what Christ has produced in the heart of the believer. If you don't, if you do, if that is a foreign language to you, you don't even know what that means. That I could possibly love somebody else more than I love myself, then you don't know the gospel. That's what the gospel is all about. in? Have you ever thought of it? Why did Jesus die for you? Well, it says because he loves you. He loved the Father and he loves you. And he laid down his life for you. And so what we should do in our daily life is be aware. Do I have the mindset of the flesh or am I living in the mindset of the spirit? Am I someone that God could use at this moment? Or do I have the kind of mindset that would cause people to reject the true and living God and walk away from him? The the Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to in Scripture as the eschatological spirit. Eschatological just means he's the spirit of the last day. Because the people of God expected that God was going to do something special in the last days. He was going to send his Holy Spirit to live in people so they could tell the the message, the good news, about the love of God to people in this world. Uh, Next week, uh, we're going to hear about uh, this this mission uh, and and why in the world somebody would give their life to help people why would they do that what kind of, what kind of a mentality is that it's called the mindset of the spirit and this is what god wants us to have you know there's a thousand ways that you could demonstrate the love of christ to those around you and that's exactly what he wants you to do He wants you to have the mindset of the spirit, and then he wants you to believe that the Holy Spirit can give you wonderful ways of demonstrating the love of Christ who died for us, who went to the cross and died for us. He can use you as an instrument in his hands. In fact, there's a book you ought to read, it's called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And it's all about this, that God wants me to always have the mindset, God, if you have an assignment for me and you want me to share your love, the love of Christ with others, I want to be that person. I want to be ready and I want to be willing. That's, that's the wonderful thing about God. He is able to save and he's willing to save. One preacher said, it was Triple E, the rapper, he said, uh, he was preaching a message, he said, you know, in order to be healed, you have to, the healer has to be able to heal you, but he also has to be willing to heal you. He has to want to. He says, like, Costco, I mean, uh, what's that, what's the uh, what's that, that service you guys have for phone and everything? Comcast. He says, like, Comcast. Oh, they can give you a better picture, they just don't want to. And, and, and so I asked myself, do I want to see people turn to Christ? Absolutely. It's the greatest privilege in all the world that God would use you as an instrument to communicate the gospel, to tell someone the truth about what Christ has done for them, that he's able and willing to save and make whole. Sometimes I feel like uh, taking 30 minutes and making us practice about how to give the gospel to somebody, because that's really what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be talking to people about Christ in a way that jives with our life. That's why I have to be walking according to the mindset of the spirit. My life has to validate what I say, right? Because I can say all day, God loves you, Jesus died for you, but then I live in a way that says, and I don't care about you. I heard this uh, guy saying, "This is a friend of his who had started a church, and this church he didn't think would ever grow because it was a bunch of old people. He called them blue-haired ladies, and he said there was, they were just old, and there wasn't going to be any people, new people coming in. And he was a pastor of a church right there in the same building, but he got, it got too big for him. He couldn't take it. He said, I was way over my head. So he left and went to a, a, a seminary. He works at a seminary now. But he said a five-year anniversary. He goes back to the church to celebrate, and, this, and it's a, the church has just grown like crazy. Tons of people have come to faith in Christ. And now there's the same blue-haired ladies, but there's a bunch of other ladies there. I'm glad there's no blue-haired ladies here this morning. I heard somebody's feelings. But he says, you, it's amazing. God is working in this church, saving people, because they have the mindset of the Spirit. They love people. And that transfers in to people living out the gospel where they are, wherever they are. And so we're glad that God has placed us in this, has given us this message, and he's given us this mindset. He's given us the mindset of the spirit. And I have to be careful that that's what I'm living according to. And I'm not living according to this mindset of the flesh. Let's pray. Our Father, we bow before you now, and we ask you that you would work in our hearts. We pray, Father, that we would believe the truth that you give to us that you actually saved us so that we could be instruments in your hands, so that we could be a part of your glorious work. We pray that you would work in every one of our lives and and help us to tell ourselves the truth. You've given us so much, and yet sometimes we just let it slip through our fingers and we don't even recognize that this great, great blessing that you've given us, the Spirit of God, the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has come to be the very atmosphere under which we live. We thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he can move our hearts and give us a desire to see people come to know him. I just pray you'd work in our hearts, Father. I just pray you'd help each of us to come to love the gospel above all things because we love people and we want to see them come to know him and come to experience life in him. So we pray that you would do that for all of us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.